Thank you. Morning, everyone. Didn't expect to see so many of you after this weekend, but it's great to, to have, have you all with us this morning. Um, I'm starting a new series today, um, and the title of today's talk is Sacrificial Love. But I wonder if you've been listening to what's been happening in the service today. We've been hearing quite a bit about what's been happening in our own country, whether it's Ange helping a blind lady with a dog, whether it's the things we know are going on going here at the different outreach groups that we have, whether it's what Jonathan and Sarah are fantastically doing in our city with the desperate needs that are happening there, whether it's what Seeker are doing in providing a, a home for older people who otherwise would be destitute in, in, uh, in Zambia, or uh, some of the other stuff that they're doing, which we know about with keeping girls in school and all the rest of it, whether it's to do with um, some of the other things that we've heard this morning about, about what's happening around the world. Uh, Roland going out to uh, Solomon, working in the slums and in the most poor areas of uh, Delhi, where the stench is terrible, where the situation with poverty and, and vice that goes with poverty is immense. Today we're talking about sacrificial love. We're talking about love that goes beyond Love that goes beyond uh, ourselves, our own little orbit of friendships, our own little communities. A love that's indiscriminate. A love that is not just um, kept you know, within the confines of the people of God. A love that goes beyond. Um, this series uh, has been entitled somewhat, uh, I mean, you know, it depends what you mean of it. This is what people do these days. They like to give you trendy titles. Jesus Masterclass. And uh, I'm sorry about that. Not quite my, uh, my bag, but there we go. Um, but essentially, what we'll be focusing on over the next few weeks and months is what it means to follow the master. To follow the leader, Jesus. Focusing on what that means. As kids, we used to play a game. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when we played these kind of games, you know, before we were all on our tablets. Um, follow me leader. Do you remember follow me leader? And the idea was, you know, whatever the leader did, everyone else did, you know. And in fact, there was even a dreadful song. Follow me leader, 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 follow me leader. Um, but the idea was you mimicked. You did what, whatever the leader told you to do. You followed their directions, their advice. For us as, as Christians, then we are called to follow the lead, the direction, the teachings of our master or our teacher, Jesus. The word disciple means student, somebody who's learning, somebody who's being taught, somebody who's teachable. You know, I hope that we're all still teachable. I'm 64 and uh, there's always things for me to learn. There's always things for all of us to learn. The challenge of this series will be that for some of us it will seem very simple. But as Mark Twain said years ago, it's not the things in the Bible I don't understand that, that bother me, it's the things that I do understand. It's, the th it's putting into practice that which is a challenge to us, which takes us beyond our comfort zone, which causes our faith to go beyond Sunday mornings or beyond our quiet times or beyond that little separate part of our lives, the spiritual bit that we give to God sacrificial love. And when we think about sacrifice, you know, often we think about, you know, uh, the kind of idea of, uh, in the Old Testament, of sacrificing animals and this, that, and the other. 
And then, of course, in the New Testament, you've got the idea of Jesus. Great sacrifice for us. The ultimate sacrifice. Uh, Gregor read some of that out today about this great high priest, Jesus, who died for us. The person who John the Baptist described as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The perfect sacrifice for sin. Surely, if we're going to talk about sacrificial love, we have to look at what Jesus has done for us. And because of the cross, and because, you know, it is finished, we think, well, sacrificial love there, you know, that is what it's all about. It's about the work of Jesus. It's about the, 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 the work of Jesus on the cross, dying for us, the resurrection. We now live in the good of it. Somebody has paid the ultimate sacrifice. We don't have to sacrifice anymore. Um, but I would suggest... That instead of using a word like sacrificial love, perhaps we need to think in our terms today, what it means for us is selfless love. Selfless love. Jesus, before that sacrifice, of course, in the garden, struggled with the thought of what he was going to do. It wasn't an easy choice to make. Sometimes God asks hard things of us. He asked a very hard thing of Jesus. And Jesus said, you take this cup away from me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through this. Yet not what I want, what you want. Not my will, but yours be done. He also said, uh, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. I wonder what it means for us to lay down our lives in the UK today. Well, it probably doesn't mean martyrdom for us. Sadly, these days, it might mean imprisonment for some people in terms of following their faith and their convictions. Uh, Not as bad as in some countries, but hey, just be careful. But I think it does mean laying down, sacrificial loving, selfless loving, means laying down our sense of entitlement of pride, of selfish desires. In that great passage that talks about what love is, in 1 Corinthians 13, we read that love is not self-seeking. It does not insist on its own way. It's not my way, it's God's way. In fact, Jesus told his disciples in Luke 9 verse 23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. And take up their cross daily and follow me. This is the Christian way of life. It's not for special occasions. It's an everyday experience. It's daily to deny what we want to do. And to say to our master Jesus. Not what I want to do today. But what you want of me. On another occasion Jesus said in Matthew 10 verses 38 to 39. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Ouch. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find him. Will will find it rather. Losing your life. The idea behind that is letting go of self-centeredness. Of living for me. Living for what I want. Finding life in this context is about finding out who we really are, our true identity, what it really means to be a child of God. Sacrificial love. Now, this is challenging stuff for me. (laughs) Really challenging. 
I haven't got this all right. But it's also fundamental to us understanding what it is to be a Christian. What it is to be a follower of Jesus. We who call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ, need to follow his example of sacrificial love. Of laying down our lives for him. Of denying ourselves and putting others first. And um, with apologies to my, the house group that I belong to, um, I'm going to use a story that we, we're studying Luke that uh, Jesus told in Luke 10 as the basis of my talk this morning. That was a long introduction, wasn't it? <laughs> it's a lot shorter talk, I promise you. Um, it's a well-known story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. But it fits into so much of what we've heard today. Do we pass by on the other side of the road? Or do we, like Jonathan and Sarah, see a need and decide we're going to do something about it? Verse 25 of Luke 10. And behold, a lawyer stood up, that's a lawyer for you, and put him to the the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell amongst robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite. And when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and when he saw him, He had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, Take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now which of these three do you think? Proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Ouch. Jesus says to us, (laughs) you go and do likewise. Love God with everything that's in you. But make sure that you actually... uh, you actually demonstrate that love you have for God in the way that you treat all those people around you. So Jesus used this story to answer a question about what was the basic requirements for anyone who wanted to truly follow God. It wasn't just a personal religion. Evangelicals are really good at the personal bit of religion. 
the more personal we make it, the better. You know, there's many people who've stopped going to church now because actually they don't need to. They can watch a screen. They can watch um, a video. They can listen to tapes. They can read books. It's all out there, guys. We don't need the inconvenience and the hassle of church because we have a personal relationship with Jesus. And the personal relationship with Jesus is what really matters. It's half of the story. John wrote in a letter, the disciple, we read who Jesus loved. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. But he who does not love his brother whom he's seen cannot love God whom he's not seen. If we really love God, it will be demonstrated in the way we live among other people. So who is my neighbor? That is the challenge. <laughs> is it my next door neighbor? You know, who we were happily chatting away, digging snow yesterday, muttering about a snow plow that had left a right mess outside our door. You know, but, but actually having to work alongside, alongside with these people and actually build some relationships. I'm glad I've got good relationships with my neighbors. Um, it, it's really quite important. Is it just those who are part of the church? Even this church? But Jesus actually was challenging this guy to go beyond. To go beyond our natural comfort zones to actually demonstrate sacrificial or selfless love. To lay down your life <laughs> for other people. Now Jesus never identifies the man in the story. He doesn't say the Jew who's walking along the road. He says a man. Could be anyone from any background. Um, it, he could be of any color, could be of any creed. It's a man. We know that about him. The gender was correct in this case. It was a man. Uh, a story of loving, loving sort of behavior was not dependent on the, on the person who they were being loving towards, in other words. It was a generic person, a man, anyone. And he's attacked by robbers on this notorious road between Jerusalem and Jericho, which was steep, which was rugged, which went through ravines. Um, you know, you, th this is the back story. But people were often attacked on this road. And robbers robbed him of everything. They stripped him. Money, iPhone, <laughs> credit cards, you name it. He had no way of getting home. But even if he wanted to, he couldn't get home because he's half dead. He's left at the side of the road. He's beaten up. He's beaten up and robbed. And what happened next happened by chance. This is what Jesus says. By chance. This wasn't diaried. It wasn't something we'd put in our diary to say, well, I'll give Jesus Thursday night, or I'll give Jesus Friday night, or I'll give him Thursday morning at the drop-in, or this, that, and the other. It was a by chance happening that a man was walking along the road. A bit of a shock for him, really. Um, but it could have been you or me walking by. Could have been any of us. This half-dead man is going to interrupt the everyday routine of whoever finds him and decides to act upon it. It's going to be a challenge to everyone who walks past. But good news! 
because it's God's people who come first. <laughs> Yay! It's, it's their priest and it's the Levite. A Levite was somebody who worked also in the temple. They were used to telling people about how wonderful God was, singing the songs, offering the sacrifices. They did the sacrificial bit. They, they had a routine of worship. They knew everything what to do. But for whatever reason, these professional worshippers of God didn't alter their schedules, alter their timetables, their activities or their actions to help a man in distress. They just passed by on the other side. They distanced themselves from this situation. Now, reasons have always, preachers, you've heard all the stories on this, they always give reasons. Is it because they were frightened that they were going to be ambushed themselves? Is it because they were too busy with, you know, their religious ceremonial duties? Is it because they were afraid because they thought he was dead, this person, that they would become ceremonially unclean and have to go through all the rigors of sorting out, you know, cleansing themselves before they could get back to their duties in the temple? Lots of reasons are given, but it doesn't really matter what the reasons are. The issue is simple. They chose not to help. They chose to do nothing. Now actually the crowd that are listening to this would have enjoyed just as much as a crowd in Britain today a dig at the religious elite. They'd have had a real laugh about this. Oh yeah, you know, we know what all the priests are like. We know what all the pastors are like. We know what the, you know, they're good at talking. They're lousy at action. We know what they're all like. Wait for the kicker. Wait for the good guy to come along. It'll be a devout Jew. It'll be somebody who, you know, knows their way around uh, how, to, how to really live for God. And then Jesus sticks this, you know, really sort of... Uh, challenging message in because the person he chooses to represent the one who shows selfless love who lays down his responsibilities or, or his what he wanted to do that day what was in his plans to do that day the one who was actually sacrificial is a Samaritan I mean, this is the last person any Jewish crowd who were listening to Jesus would have expected to help or would have used as an example model for good living because these were people who devout Jews despised. They were the enemy. The last person you'd want to help you if you were a good Jew. Now, we don't know if it was a Jew. The outsider. The one everyone would be suspicious of. The enemy of true religion. Only a few days before, if you read Luke 9 verse 51... The disciples and Jesus are traveling on their way to Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way to sacrifice his life, to give that demonstration of sacrificial love. Why we're all here today. Thank you, Jesus. And they're passing through a village. It happens to be a Samaritan village. <laughs> and he says, well, go before me and try to make preparations for us to find somewhere to stay for the night. And the Samaritans say, no. We don't want Jesus here. We don't want you to stay. And the disciples decide that they want to commit a religious hate crime. They ask God, can we burn the village down? Can we ask God to burn this village down? This is the enemy. They want anything to do with you. Let's just burn them. See them burn in hell. Sorry to be emotive. And then Jesus is talking with his followers there. And he uses a Samaritan as the example of somebody who has compassion. 
This word compassion. The basic Hebrew word, hesedah, it means completely undeserved kindness and generosity. A love that has chosen to intervene and come to our rescue. A love which we have no right to expect from anyone. But a love that gives everything. This is God's type of love. This is sacrificial love. While we were still sinners, Christ died for you and for me. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We're not special. And this is the type of love we have to have for humanity. The type of compassion or love, sacrificial love, that the Samaritan showed, this love in action, wasn't just sympathy. I think we all feel that when we see some stories on the TV, don't we? We all probably felt that when we listened to what Jonathan was telling us about, you know, asylum seekers in our city. But it was active love that made a real difference, met a need. We have values at the heart of our church. One of those values is generosity. Generosity means nothing unless it is applied to our lives in the way we respond. Generosity is going over and above. Generosity is giving more than we ought to or need to. Generosity is about offering ourselves beyond. This church is brilliant at all the stuff we do. I'm not in any way knocking it. But I'm making the point that actually this is the type of, you know, generosity for us goes above and beyond. <laughs> it is indiscriminate. <laughs> it is love in action. And the inconvenience for this Samaritan was that he stopped he helped. He did first aid. It took time. In fact, he stayed with him at the inn. Firstly, it took time out of his life. Time that he probably had planned to do something else in. But he gave this time to this man who he didn't know. It was tiring. It's a rough road. I've never been on it, but I've heard it's a very rough road. It's a very steep road. It, it, drops, it drops dramatically going down this road. But the man was put on the guy's donkey, horse, whatever he was having. The Samaritan was now walking. <laughs> he wasn't sat on a horse anymore. He was having to walk. It's a tiring job, sacrificial love. It was costly. The man had nothing left. He's destitute. He has no means of supporting himself. No means of getting anywhere because he's half dead. And it was the Samaritan who paid out of his own money. And it was ongoing. It wasn't just a one-off gesture or a one-off act. This guy not only got him into this ho hotel, hostel, whatever it was. I, you know, I don't know what it was. But he also actually said, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back and make sure that everything's all right. I'll stay with him here for a while, and then I've got to go off, carry on with my life, but I will be coming back. I will pay what is required. I will check that the guy's all right. I'm not just leaving it just halfway. It's an ongoing uh, love, if you like. Selfless act. 
Now, this kind of love can't be easy. It isn't easy. And I have to say, there have been many times in my life, and I would suggest in all our lives, when we've all passed by on the other side of the road. Be honest. When there are issues or people or stuff, and we just haven't got the time or the energy or the space in our lives, we've got work to do, we've got family commitments, we've got, we all know this. I'm not trying to say drop everything and just do this. There are times for all of us when we just pass by on the other side. We, we have reasons. We have excuses. There are reasons why we can't do what, we, what could be done then. And the best thing to do is to ignore what's happening. But what God is challenging on is, there should also be times in our lives, perhaps every time, I don't know, I'm not there, maybe you're more spiritual than me, where we're not just prepared to say a little prayer, God bless them as we walk past. Please, God, send somebody along to help in this situation. Because you know I've got actually to get home because there's that, um, that Netflix series box set that I've really got to finish tonight. Um, there's got to be times. There's got to be situations for all of us where we don't just pass by and use even our religious duty as a, as a, as a, as a reason why we don't get involved. There's got to be times when we say that our love and our generosity goes beyond our family, our church family, our friends, and reaches out to people who we have nothing in common with, who, we, who have come from a different culture, different creed maybe, people who we don't look like, sound like, feel like. And it's inconvenient, and it's costly. And it's demanding. And I bet that teacher wished he'd never asked the blooming question, who's my neighbour? And I wish he hadn't as well. <laughs> Just now, I really wish he hadn't. But what Jesus says at the end of this story is, you go and do likewise. Be like him. Be like him. Be like him. Amen.